Greetings and welcome to Pops Collection, where we dissect and reflect on a movie or TV show for my Pops Collection. I'm Ron Tweedy, this is Pops, and we will be wrapping up our discussion on Daredevil Season 1 today. Daredevil Season 1 Part 3. Yes. We are in uncharted waters here. We were into uncharted waters last week with a Part 2, but... Right. Uh, actually, doing a TV series, it I found it... Uh, very refreshing and very good. Yeah. Brought up a lot of questions and a lot of things. We left off uh, last week with Matt getting into a fight. And uh, at the end of episode number eight, he got hurt very badly. Yeah. And lo and behold, Foggy at the end of the episode finds out who Matt is. Right. So we get into episode 10, which is uh, Nelson V. Murdoch. Right. So let me ask you a question. Okay. All right. In this particular case, mm-hmm. they have been friends since college. That's right. And they have been best friends. And now all of a sudden, Foggy finds out that Matt's not been totally truthful with him. Right. About things. So uh, this episode starts off. There's a pretty huge confrontation between the two of them. Right. As you recall. Right. So how do you feel about that, though? Is this the episode where we get the flashback of them in college, or was that already a, no, the, a previous episode? Yeah, the, the whole episode there, it's interspersed with different little uh, snippets of flashbacks here and there. And so, uh, yeah, this is the episode where they do that. Okay, so in that part of the episode, the flashback, Foggy was all happy about him being blind because he thought it was a cool way for them to pick up chicks. Right, yeah. Right? Uh Uh-huh. So that was okay for him to say he was blind then, but now that he finds out that he wasn't, it's a whole different story. The thing is, is that, you know, like you said, it has to do with the fact that, you know, Matt hasn't really been up front for for good reason, you know, I would say, uh, with him about even though he is blind, he actually can uh, get around a much easier and he has to kind of pretend that he's this person who needs all kinds of help when he really doesn't. And obviously there's a, a sense of betrayal that Foggy feels because they're like supposed to be best friends. So I, I can understand the reason why uh, Foggy is behaving the way that he does. I mean, uh, it does feel like a betrayal. Although you think maybe Matt didn't want to tell him to keep him safe or of not knowing what he's doing, maybe? You know, that's a good question because uh, we don't really know exactly when Matt starts his vigilanteism. Um, you know, we get a, a uh, hint. He talks about the first time he did it, but he didn't say exactly when that was. Was he still in college with Foggy? Was it before college? We don't know. Oh, no. Actually, uh, from what I gathered in this episode it's when they were uh interning at the uh, lawyer's place okay well there you go i i guess what he which was kind of confusing to me when i you know i thought about that okay uh because did he hear 
the guy abusing the daughter on the roof when he was on the roof or did or was they a, were they a client at the the attorney's office that they were interning at or was it just because of the way that the attorneys were handling cases oh yes they were doing some case with Roxanne uh yeah, yeah, yes. Which, by the way, is another uh, fake Marvel company that's in a lot of different, yeah, like Cloak and Dagger and a few different others. Yeah, the new Cloak and Dagger, not the original. Right, right. That's true. But Roxxon, I think, even has something to do with The Gifted and a couple of other different series. But anyways, yeah. beyond that, he knew that he was in... Uh, a kind of a position where if he was going to continue working with these people, it wasn't going to be a good thing. It's not something that he, his morals would allow him to do, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we kind of saw that. Uh, to me, the funniest part was when they decided they were going to leave. Uh-huh. The, and Foggy empties out a box and says he's going to take as much, ba- as many bagels as he can. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, hey, that was great. That was a good part of it. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, what I find is that there is a lot of the both of them caring, even though uh, Foggy chooses to do it in a different way. Yeah, agreed. You know, but yes, so most of this episode basically is about their issues trying to deal with what's going on. Right. And... um so that's kind of how the episode starts. Mm-hmm. And uh, then if I'm not mistaken, Eric is having an issue uh, with his wife. I guess the insurance isn't working out. Right. And so he's been offered by his boss a position, an editor's position. Right. So in this episode, we see him... Finally, dealing, he was this gung-ho reporter who would do anything for a story. Yeah. And now he realizes that he has to take care of his wife. He has to think about somebody else and not himself. Right. So I think that that's where we're getting with him. Uh Uh-huh. There were a couple of other important things in this story, too, in this particular episode. Well, they found Fisk's mom. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Karen, uh, he was getting ready to give Karen all of the paperwork, I think. Right. All that she had on Fisk, all he had on Fisk. And he was telling her he wasn't going to do it. And I think she manipulated him. Yeah. Right? To go check out a home. Right. Which I still don't know how clear it was that she knew how to go to this home. Well, I think she kind of set it up saying, okay, well, we should check it out for your wife. And it turns out, oh, we're here for other reasons. So. Oh, okay. Right, right. I gotcha. Uh, But they do learn some pretty interesting stuff. Right. There. He realizes, I think, that uh, she did that on purpose. And I don't think he was real happy about that. No, he wasn't. No. So, but that pretty much gets us through to the, about the end of the uh, episode, except for uh, we know Fisk came out and he's having this 
a charity gala right to raise money for the victims of the bombing now so we know that uh mariana has really changed him and influenced him in a different way uh-huh would you say right yes i would yes do you think in a positive way or how would you uh um deem their relationship i mean i think the it's difficult to say because i do think that she was helping him cope with some of the abuse that he suffered as a child but what she didn't do is she didn't help him to put away his uh you know evil doings and whatnot she kind of just helped mitigate some of those things and she enabled him to still be you know a bad guy and the difficult part i think is you know you kind of wonder like what is really the extent of her knowledge like how much does she know like the bad stuff that he does yeah maybe maybe he kind of keeps her and he's he's forthcoming with her when she asks him specific things but i don't think he volunteers uh really graphic information like if he uh you know what he did to the russian but do you think maybe she has a bad boy complex that she's attracted to bad boys i don't know maybe it almost seems like she's there out of pity because she does see the abused boy that's really inside and she wants to help him i really see it that way Right, and do you think maybe maybe it's because she was an art dealer and she was using used to looking at things in an abstract frame of mind, maybe? Yeah, it's possible. You know, that she could see that things like that? Yeah, I don't know, it's possible. And it's quite possible, right? Yeah. But here they are at that gala at the very end. Yeah. And what happens? Yes, a couple people end up uh, dying from a poisonous agent in the champagne, and Vanessa falls ill. But uh, we her her fate is unknown at the end of the episode. Right, we just know that uh, he's, or is that it might come in the next episode? But yeah, yes, we don't really know what's going on, but we know that uh, Owlsley was there with him, and he pretty much was going to also drink the champagne and he didn't right he kind of dropped it at the last minute yeah so we got through episode 10 episode 11 the paths of the righteous yep path of the righteous yeah so this episode what would you say would be the main theme of this episode uh it's really just there to you know, move the story along. I, there's a lot of things going on here. We we get introduced to Potter, who is the guy who is responsible for the Kingpin's um, armor. And so uh, Murdoch uh, finds him, and basically he commissions him. And, you know, Potter's motives is that he doesn't want them. I guess it's girlfriend, maybe daughter, I forget. There was a woman in his life. And oh, yes, yes, there is right. that uh, uh, Fisk is threatened to do harm to. Right. And so Matt pretty much guarantees I'm going to take down Fisk. So if you if you make this armor for me, I'll, I'll take care of that problem. And so um, that that's pretty much it for this particular episode when it comes to Potter. And right. Although uh, in the comics, he's also a bad guy. 
Right. I think it's called the Guardian or something or the Gladiator. I can't remember. Uh-huh. But he does have a more. Uh, he has a different role in the comics than he does in in this particular yeah. uh, series. Yep. Yep. But we get that. Yep. And then Karen wants to go forward with the story about Fisk's mother. Ben does not want to because it's uh, not good journalism. Meaning that uh, you need more reliable sources, you need the story to be more well thought out, because if you don't, uh, slander and libel are two uh, things that are that exist, and they're, uh, they, they go bad for journalists when they don't actually do their, do their work. So you have Right, and I think she shares that also with uh, Foggy, too. Yeah. yeah. Right, because there's, yeah. a, again, Matt and Foggy are... Uh, we're going through a period where they're not with each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, Foggy's like drowning out his sorrows. Yeah. Uh, Matt, on the other hand, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Claire comes and uh, sews him up yeah. and kind of gets him back on the men's. Yeah. But they did, weren't they, they had a romantic fling, right? A little bit. It was flirtatious, but that's probably about it that I would say. Right. She decides that uh, she wants to step away for a little while, mm-hmm. and uh, she tells him that he's he needs the if he's going to go out and fight, he needs better protection. Right. So, and then we get to the rest of that story. Um, we know that uh, Fisk is not leaving Mariana's side. Mm-hmm. He's like there in the hospital with her. Yep. Then, what happens after? Oh, Wesley. I'll let you go. Yeah, he 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 takes Karen. He finds her. He he kidnaps her, and he holds her. Yeah, because the mother calls, right? Yeah, yeah. And so uh, he finds out that Karen was the one responsible for it. He he takes her, and um, that that's the big shocker at the very end that she's in his custody. He has a gun on the table. And she quickly grabs it, and he tries to play it cool, saying, like, oh, you think I'd leave a loaded gun there? And then Karen just unloads on him. and uh, Every shot. Yeah, so it, it's pretty crazy, that, that ending. So, Oh, yeah. And he was trying, I think he was trying to uh, act like Fisk. Yeah. And I think a lot of that has to do with him doing all the talking for him with all of the other guys. Sure, yeah. And women, you yep. know? Totally. So uh, I think that uh, he really thought that there would be no way. I think his the look on his face when she first shot him, the first one, yeah, was like disbelief. Yeah, I can't believe you he know? actually had a loaded gun there. So. Yeah, he, yeah, I know. That was pretty stupid on his part. But I think he got this cockiness from Fisk. Sure. Anyways, that is kind of how the episode ends. Right. And then we get to The Ones We Leave Behind, episode 12. Right. I think the episode kind of starts off with uh, Murdoch. Yeah. Or was it? Yeah. yeah or was it, he was uh, talking with Yurik? Maybe or um, was he was he Daredevil then? Yeah, well, not Daredevil yet. The Man in the Black. Yeah, I mean, basically, uh, it starts out with him taking out the uh, uh, Gao's uh, heroin operation with all the other blind folk 
in the uh oh place. yeah 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 so that was yes. that was a cool scene yeah i liked that a lot but he couldn't uh take out gal no no there they, and we find out there's really more much more to her than meets the eye she uh was able to incapacitate him and then she realizes that you know because fisk is becoming unglued and things seem to be falling apart it's time for her to go back to where she came from which is kind of cryptic Right. Oh, yes. Oh, definitely. Because yeah. uh, that's not the last we see of Madame Gal. No. Uh, and other series, no less. Right. Exactly. Ones, ones that you didn't like all that much, but... Yeah. Uh, I thought they were entertaining to some extent. Yeah. And I'll just say some. Right. But also, uh, in this episode, Fisk finds out that Wesley's dead. Yes. I guess he finds out that his mother called him. Right, yeah, that was his last call, yeah. And so he tries to... Of course, the mother's whacked out. Right. And he's trying to find out what they had to talk about. Right. And uh, she couldn't help him out any. Yeah. So he sends her out of the country. We uh, Foggy is continuing to investigate Fisk. Right. Without the help of Murdoch, but the help of his girlfriend, his new girlfriend. Right, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yes. Imagine that, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, but anyways, so we also get uh, a scene with Eric in his office. Right. And he had wrote the story. Yep. And the boss uh, turned it down. Right. And he knew what he would because, like I said, they journalistic standards at a at a paper are well at least they used to be that stringent i don't know if nowadays it seems kind of a kind of you know um you know bygone era right but he does accuse him of being on fisk's payroll yes that's correct he does accuse him of that and uh he doesn't respond like you know he doesn't outright deny it i don't remember doing that which is you can it leaves some room for doubt maybe he is on the take or not well, he does get upset enough that he fires him. Yeah. And uh, so then we get that. Uh, then we get another confrontation with Paige. Paige is still struggling. We get a little picture of her struggling with killing Wesley. Right, right. And so she's drinking pretty heavily. Yep. She's wanting Matt and Foggy to get back together, but still they're... They're still not together. They're still having issues. Yep. Says that she wants to get them, that they should talk to each other. Right. You know, and and work it out because they've been friends for a long time. That's right. Karen then goes to Ben and Ben says, hey, can't, the story's a no. And says that he got fired and uh, she's convincing him that he should start a blog. Right. Somehow, I guess he talks. I can't remember if his wife is in this episode or not. She is. Yeah. She, and uh, he kind of encourages him. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, she has a, a moment of lucidity and she just, you know, says, hey, you need to do what you got to do. And he says, OK, well, then he, he does it and uh, he pays the price for it. it. Yes. At the very end of this episode. Yeah. It's we're starting a new theme yeah. at the end of episode. Every episode, somebody dies. Yeah. So, 
Uh, yes, and this, again, just really... Vincent D'Onofrio has been an incredible kingpin. Mm-hmm. Uh, he portrayed this, uh, his role just to a T. Yep. We saw uh, immense anger. We saw that he was, you know, the devil incarnate there, you know? Right. Pretty much because he talks to Ben about, uh, you talked with my mother. Right. Ben's like, well, you know what? I'm not going to apologize for anything. Right. You know, I'm all about the story. And Fisk is like, well, I'm not here for an apology. I'm here to kill you. Yeah. Well, the the thing that Yurk doesn't take him seriously because he's been threatened before with, uh, you know, the mob bosses back in the day. So you, you kind of think, well, maybe, he, you know, he feels like he's not really threatened. But we realize that Fisk is not just any old mob boss. And I think the interesting thing to uh, that to notice about this particular one is that when before when we saw him, you know, kill the Russian with the uh, with the car door, you know, there was uh, an implement that he used in order to, to do that with Ben. It became personal. He brought his mom into it. And so he actually uses his bare hands to strangle him to death. And it's like this very uh, disturbing, intimate moment that he shares with him and it's uh you know like you said like he's using his bare hands and like he's like on top of him closing looking directly into his eyes exactly so it's not like this it's not this rage kill it is a kill that is motivated uh, and um you know malice of forethought right and that was his intent from the very beginning when he got there right and it's not like he uh, trying to think of the, uh, uh, this, I think further illustrates the uh, path that he's going down. Like it's getting worse. The fact that he's actually willing to do something that bad. Right. It's like uh, all about him. And the, as far as the character goes, we now see his girlfriend's been poisoned. Mm-hmm. His only friend, probably Wesley has been murdered. Yeah. You know, and he's finding that this guy knows about his mother. Right. And one thing I do want to say, Fisk asks if he told anybody else about it. Right. And he says no. Right. And we do learn that uh, there was somebody on the payroll at the newspaper. It's just next not episode. the editor. Yeah. Yeah. The next episode we learned that. Yep. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. That's but. okay. We can go there right now. I mean, that that that's that's yes. the end of the episode. So right, last episode. Yeah, we get the name finally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Finally, they call. But and even that uh, doesn't appear in the episode till the very end. Right. You know. Yep. And yep. the one thing about seeing all three seasons of that. Uh huh. It's a good thing that I watched them again because I so thought in my mind that that episode had a different ending. Okay. And then I realized that, oh, no, that's the ending for season two. Oh. So so I was like, wait a minute. He just didn't do what I thought he was going to do. Yeah. It's kind of interesting because it kind of starts off Ben's funeral. Yes. It's just... 
Ben's family, and uh, of course we get the priest there. Mm-hmm. Yep. So does that mean he was a Catholic, or is he just there because Matt brought him there? Or yeah. you know, sometimes there are people that um, are not people of faith, right? And so they uh, bring people to do the funeral service. Yep. Whether it be a pastor or a priest or what have you. So right. I don't know if we really know that. Nope. From this point. But we do know that uh, since he is the only holy actor here, mm-hmm. we have to have him as the uh, doing the funeral. Yeah. But we know that um, Paige and Murdoch are there, but uh, Foggy's not. Uh, and so we kind of get this thing where their page feels guilty about it. Right. And uh, there's a little conversation with his wife, how sorry she is. And yeah. uh, she feels that it's her fault. And the, the wife says, hey, Ben has his mindset on a story. Yeah. There's nothing anybody could done. So. Right. In some ways, I think that she got that from it, and it might have been a little bit of a relief for her. Oh, sure. Although, I don't know if she ever gets over... I don't know if any of us could ever get over killing somebody. Yeah. You know, no matter what. Although, he did... Wesley did threaten her. Oh, he was going to kill her. Everybody that... Yeah. Going to kill her, and he was going to kill... Everybody that she knew and loved, right? You know, Murdoch and Nelson and Ben. Yeah. So, I know she did uh, self defense, but still, that's got to, I guess, until we would be put into that situation, we, I really don't know how I would have handled that myself. Mm hmm. Okay. So we start off at the funeral, and from there, where do we go? Uh, Leland wants to make an exit, and so he, decides to uh blackmail fisk saying i'm getting out i'm taking your money half your money i'm leaving you with half your money and uh if something were to happen to me they don't hear from me 24 hours the detective that's under my care was going to go hoffman yeah detective hoffman exactly he's going to spill the beans and fisk will be exposed and so uh that is not enough to deter fisk from killing leland so he does that uh, rather coldly, and then he asks all his men to go track down Hoffman and do whatever it takes to get him back. Right, because he found out, Fisk found out that Owsley and Gal were the uh, people that can they conspired to poison Mariana. Right, and it wasn't a attempt on Fisk's life. It was actually intended to kill Vanessa. Right, so that she could uh, be out of the way because... Yeah. She's been clouding his judgment. Right. And which, she's been a distraction to him. Which is true. Absolutely. Does it warrant death? Maybe not, but, you know. No, definitely not. But the fact of the matter is that everybody that we're dealing with here, all the bad guys, yeah. that is, uh, they all are somewhat evil. They all have like this evil yeah. part of them. We know that. It's in all of us, but they choose to embrace it. Yep. Let's just say it that way. Sure. But he does. He does. Uh, Fisk throws him down a elevator shaft, I think, or something, right? Yeah, or yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
after that, uh, we get some dealings with Murdoch and Foggy. Right. And they are they choose to reconcile. Yep. And if I'm not mistaken, Foggy has some info on uh, Fisk or something. Some uh, bad dealings or something. Yeah, yeah, it's something uh, I like that. I, I think basically, and then Matt uses his super hearing to track down where Hoffman is at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because right. Fo- Foggy uses his girlfriend's uh, information because they had dealings with Owsley. And so they figured out between those two pieces of information, they were figured he was able to get Hoffman. And, uh, and Matt is successful after a big fight uh, getting Hoffman out and to, what's his name, Sergeant? They're, they're, yes, in they're this guy episode, that's their their friend. Yeah, I only know his mother smokes cigars. Right. But, uh, yeah. Right. In this uh, series, he's a sergeant. Right. At this particular time. Yeah. So, again, I, another character that we see quite a lot in yeah. uh, all these uh, Netflix series. Right. I'm just wondering if they were all. Uh, Is it Mahoney? Is that the name? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, which is for a black guy that's an interesting name. You know? Yeah. How many black guys do you know with the last name of Mahoney? Well, yeah, I mean there's there's probably some history there. We'll uh we'll probably Right. We don't want to go there, right. Right. I've heard of a I know uh one uh Maroney and a Marino, but Yeah. It- but I don't anyways, let's not go there. We did anyways, he talks him into Turning himself in. Right. And just to him and nobody else. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Because we they, they, they trust Mahoney, even though everybody like else is on the take with, with Fisk. So they think they they won. Everything is done. And, you know, uh, they were able to, to get him to testify. And they were able to. And then we get this scene of this uh, opera piece where it's uh, Luciano Pavarotti. I forget. I, I did Shazam it, uh, which is, you know, the music application to, to get the actual song title. I forget what it is. But anyway, it's from oh, an opera. It was another comic book movie. What was? Shazam. It, it is. Um, okay. But, uh, I was just throwing you off to see if I could catch it. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, you certainly did. Um, <laughs> okay, Nessum Dorma is the name of the, the song. It's uh, an okay. aria from... Uh, I forget which album, but it's a, it's an, it's made famous by Luciano Pavarotti, and uh, you get him singing and it's juxtaposed over like all of the places where Fisk had influence. People are going to get uh, arrested and brought to justice, and so like you said, right, even even the police officers and yep. lawyers and senators and exactly. So it's 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 pretty cool. It, it, it's a cool scene, and we saw that the the one lady at the uh, the news organization. She was the one that was on the inside, not the editor. And so, um, right. She got nailed. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, it seems like things are getting back to normal. Foggy and Matt are eating dinner with, with Karen and they're just having a good time and and watching the news and whatnot and having everything happen. And then we go to this one scene and I have a clip for this one where, uh, Fisk is in the the security van being escorted. Oh, wow. Are you kidding me? That's exactly the one that I was hoping you would do. Yeah, so let's listen to his take on a uh, classic parable, and let's talk about it afterwards. Yes, they came out a story from the Bible. I tell you to open your mouth. Let him talk. Don't mean nothing. 
I'm not a religious man, but I've read bits and pieces over the years. Curiosity more than faith about this one story. It was a man, he, he was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was set upon by men of ill intent. They stripped the traveler of his clothes, they beat him, and they left him bleeding in the dirt. And the priest happened by. Saw the traveler. They moved to the other side of the road and continued on. And then a Levite, the religious functionary, came to the place, saw the dying traveler. But he too moved to the other side of the road and passed him by. But then came a man from Samaria, Samaritan, a good man. He saw the, the traveler bleeding in the road and he stopped to aid him without thinking of the circumstance or the difficulty it might bring him. The Samaritan tended to the traveler's wounds, applying oil and wine. And he, he carried him to an inn, gave him all the money he had for the owner to take care of the traveler as the Samaritan. He continued on his journey. He did this simply because the, the traveler was his neighbor. He loved his city and all the people in it. I always thought that I was the Samaritan in that story. It's funny, isn't it? How even the best of men can be deceived by their true nature. What the hell does that mean? It means that I'm not the Samaritan. That I'm like the priest or the Levite. That I am the ill intent who set upon the traveler on a road that he should not have been on. Yeah, so this is very interesting. And I do appreciate the fact that unlike the movies in the MCU, the... Uh, TV, they do not shy away from religion, which I do appreciate that they, uh, you know, these are really interesting things that are, are being said right now. So um, I'll go ahead and just kind of give you my take on it. The, the, the fact is, <laughs> I think Fisk had the right idea. So when you read a parable of, of Christ, number one, it's important to read the context and, uh, Basically, this was trying to answer the question, who is my neighbor? A lawyer comes to Jesus saying, what should I do to, uh, to inherit eternal life? And Jesus is like, well, what, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then it says the lawyer seeking to justify himself said, who is my neighbor? And then that's when right. the, the parable actually opens up. So. When you read a parable, number one, the context is really important. Number two, uh, in the parable, you do try to find yourself in it, and you also need to find Christ in it as well. So in the parable, you are the man who was set upon. The, not, not, not the man who set upon, but who was set upon. So you're dead on in the road. And 
the people who are religious cross along to the other side, but the Samaritan, the person who's hated, is Christ. He comes and he saves you and he takes care of you and he, um, you know, bearing all of the risk that he needs to take, uh, he does that because that that is the other thing that w- that Fisk's interpretation is lacking, is that uh, there's this little commentary that he adds that he loves his city and all the people in it. That was not a part of the story at all. In fact, a Samaritan would have been hated by the Jews and pretty much it's uh, the feeling was mutual most most times but th- th- that that's really the the key there is that uh, Fisk uh, because he's not a religious person and he's read bits and pieces that he really uh, would have done him good to find uh, a preacher to actually really explain what that really me- the real meaning is and what you should do about that is realize that you don't meet the standard of loving your neighbor Christ sets a standard that you can't attain. And Christ can attain that, and he attains that on your behalf, and putting your faith in the work that Christ has done will save you. And that's really what the Good Samaritan is all about. Right. Well, you know, again, he gave the disclaimer that he uh, was did not fluent, he was never a religious man. Right. But he did recognize that he was the evil, you know, the ill. Yeah. As he called it, he did, he recognized, he, how do you put this? You know, we talked about this before in one of the other episodes, and I think it was last week, how that he felt like that what he was doing was the right thing, or he was trying to justify his actions Uh because he said he loved the city and he wanted to do what's right for the city. Yeah. So he was putting himself in the Samaritan's position of being the one who loved the city. But as you pointed out, that had nothing to do with the story of the Good Samaritan. Right. And the other part of it, it yeah, and that is actually the big theme of this whole season, I would think, is is the love for one's city, where both Murdoch and Fisk share that. But one of them has a very warped sense of uh, what to do with the city, and the other one does not. So I think that's the the difference between the two. Right. Well, I think that one, uh, Murdoch, wants to help the people of the city, whereas Fis wants to change the city to what he deems is the best thing for the city. Would you say? Yeah, that's certainly part of it. I think the other part is that I, I think Murdoch is willing to let people just kind of live their lives. And, you know, Fisk is trying to put uh, things in place like, uh, you know, this uh, whole organization that's kind of controlling things from the, the shadows. I think that's the right. Big difference. He kind of wants to uh, control. Right. Uh, the drugs. Yep, exactly. Because you know, he wants to make the people complacent, I think, uh, that, and so that they're not uh, complaining. Right. He wants to make the rich to get richer. Yeah. You know, and of course he wants to be the head of it all. Yep, and basically uh, after that happens, obviously one of the guys was on the inside and the, the trucks crashed 
he's getting away and all of a sudden, you know, Matt realizes, hey, my job's not done and I've got to go take him out for good. Right. So he goes to see the guy that made him his outfit. Yep. Yep. And for the first right. time. Uh, Melvin, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and for the first time in the entire season of this whole show, we finally get to see the costume. Right. Which it is not bad. It looks uh, pretty good. It's not It's not done too badly. No, actually, I think uh, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's done real well. And I think that I don't know if it's... Uh, cg crop or whatever but he seems to carry himself in the outfit really well oh yeah and and i have to say to our listeners after watching smallville for 10 seasons before seeing the (laughs) superman episode the outfit in the last episode of season 10 yeah uh this was very refreshing (laughs) (laughs) to only have to wait 13 episodes was pretty good uh, but uh, yeah, uh, we got to see it and I don't know if it was the outfit, but he, Murdoch seemed to have a lot more confidence, uh, with that on. Yeah, I think and that's, I, 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 I would assume it's because he knows it's made out of the same material as what Fisk was wearing. Right. Yeah, I agree. But he wasn't wearing that this particular time. Right. Yeah. So and, maybe that's why he also had a little bit of an advantage over Fisk. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, so the, the basically the big battle happens. It's a really good fight scene between the two. And you know, you, oh, yeah. you, you think that, you know, Vincent D'Onofrio, even though he's a large man, he doesn't seem to be like a really capable fighter, you would think, because he just seems like he'd be big and slow. But he's he puts up a big fight and it's it's definitely one of the most satisfying fights in the in the season. Uh, watching them to go at it oh yeah and he did for a little while he had a little bit of the upper hand uh they kind of went back and forth with that uh he was actually beating him with a rebar right a rebar right but he somehow is able with his outfit to get through that yep and he does get mahoney yep to be able to arrest him right and uh, we do get a scene with him in the prison cell, and the wall kind of looks just like the white painting yes. that he had. Yeah. Which, I don't know uh, what that all has to do with everything, but it kind of, we get the music playing. Right. The violin, I think, right? Which we've seen, we've heard throughout uh, him doing, uh, he would be in very specific way he does things, right? The uh, It's actually the instrument is a cello, not a violin, but anyway. Okay. Well, hey, excuse me. It's Sorry. Okay. It's okay. You would think I would know that as a musician. Well, that's hey. okay. But yeah, you're right. At, at, that's pretty much the end of the, um, you know, there's a, Daredevil is, you know, named by the, the newspaper and, you know, they, ha- they, talk, they talk a little bit about it and that's pretty much... Uh, that's pretty much the end of the well, season. Well, not really. The best part comes at the very end. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's on the roof. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. And he hears something that he needs to take care of, and he gets his two batons in his hands. Yep. And he jumps off the building. Yeah, that was Which cool. is an iconic pose. Right, right. From the comics. It is. I agree. Yep. And that's, that's it was like one of those things where you said, you know what? <laughs> 
I hope they have a season two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because they did, really, I have to say that uh, as far as Netflix, there's only one other one that I thought was almost as good, and that was the Punisher series. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, the other series that they came up with in order to do the crossover, okay, but not really, really great. I know that... Uh, you had no care for Iron Fist at all. Well, it's not that... I think it's because my expectations were too high. And they. I, I think the writing, they really decided to um, take too long to really get to the good part of the story. Luke Cage, season two in particular, was really good. Season one's pretty good, too. And uh, I, I really don't care for Jessica Jones, because I, I don't know. It's not my thing. But, you know... I no, know. I agree with that. Uh, it was not too bad. Yeah. But I just, like, who was she really, you know? Yeah. Uh, they never really got too heavily into how she got her powers. Uh, you know, I think that they, again, like you said, the writers. Well, you do know that uh, Brian Bendis had something to do with they always acknowledge him at the end of an episode of Daredevil. Yeah. Did you notice that? Yeah. Well, I mean, he 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 brought back a lot of those characters. I know he he had a really good run with uh, Alias, which was Jessica Jones' uh comic in uh in the in the Marvel thing and, you know, when it came to like when I first read like his stuff like in earnest was when he did New Avengers back in the mid-2000s. And that was when he brought back Luke Cage and, and Iron Fist and in the New Avengers, and you know Luke Cage essentially was the the leader of the group at that point. So, um, you know, so so I, I based on how good he, job that he did with that, like I had that those expectations, kind of expectations exactly, for Iron so, Fist, right? And which is why uh, when it actually happened, it was kind of disappointing. But we'll get to that eventually. Yes, yes, we will. Not anytime soon. No. Uh, but I'm uh, I'm going to go with this. Uh, you mentioned Alias. Yeah. And Jessica Jones in the same breath. I guess I have to look up the TV show Alias now and see if that was Jessica Jones. I don't think it is. is it not? It's not. It's, it's something different. Thank God. I'm pretty uh, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll look. Uh, yeah. If I had to live to 5,000, I wouldn't be able to collect all of these DVDs. Man. <laughs> but I did do want to, I did want to, uh, mention to you that I did some, I was watching this channel that I have and they had this thing called, uh, it was on TNT and, uh, they actually are going to have a TV series called The Snowpiercer. Uh huh. After the graphic novel. Yeah. Although I don't, I know it's not uh, Chris Evans, but yeah, I don't know. I'm interested in seeing what that is. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And spoiler alert? No, it's not a spoiler alert. I am going to do a review on Snowpiercer. Uh huh. One of these days, when I get to it. Yeah. I'm still doing some tests, so we'll see how those come out. And also, uh, did you happen to catch the trailer for Morbius? Uh uh-uh. uh. Well, I think I might have, but it, it didn't leave an impression on me. No. Well, it's uh, 
part of the Marvel Universe, but it's by Sony. So okay, so it's probably so like go- uh, yeah, because it's like a Spider-Man. Uh, thing. It's like a yeah, well, it's like a Venom thing. You know? Yeah, it yeah. Seems lately yeah. that they're doing, which I'm wondering if that's what caused DC to do the Joker film. Just because uh, I know there's going to be a Venom too. Yes, there is. And I know they're doing uh, the Morbius thing. Uh huh. Which again, I think he started out as a bad guy, also. Right. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. so. Just wanted to throw those little caveats in there. I'm sorry going down the rabbit hole. That's okay. We, we're, we're done anyway, so we can just wrap it up. Yes, we can, except for the most important thing. And I have no idea how you're going to rate this, but we do need to give it a rating. Okay. And I, I'm not going to make you go episode by episode. I'll just let you do a rating for season one. All right. Uh, it's 10 out of 10. Yeah, 10 out of 10, 10 for me. 10 out of 10. Imagine that. Yeah, it, it's, I had. Yeah, like tell I, me why. Well, it, it basically, like I said, uh, probably I think part one. I said that you know Daredevil was always a superhero that I really was always met on, and this maybe loved Daredevil. So uh, the fact that they could do that with a character that, like I said, I thought was interesting at best made him like fascinating to me and like i said the the casting was absolutely perfect the writing was great the pacing was amazing and the fact that it follows the uh frank miller miniseries in 93 like so visually and story-wise that to me just made it like so it pushed it over the top for me to make it a 10 out of 10 well I'm going to surprise you, and I'm – well, I'm not going to surprise you. It's definitely a 10. Yeah. No question about it. I think what it does for the superhero Daredevil, Yeah. I think that it makes him more of a hero uh, similar to a police officer, EMT, or a fireman uh-huh. because the villains – in this season are not anybody super you see iron man and you know he's fighting loki he's fighting uh you know yeah uh, he's not really dealing with mob crimes yeah like you had mentioned once before uh although spider-man does have a lot of super villains yeah uh what we got in this entire story there wasn't a single person that had any type of superpowers. That's true. That's a good point. And, and the other part of that, it, it almost seems to me like when we haven't gotten to it yet, obviously, but when we, when we get to Homecoming, Spider-Man Homecoming, you know that that really does. That there's there's things that Stark says to to Peter in like the the lower level things need lower level people or whatever and that's kind of i think an allusion to this entire uh tv mcu thing going on here right well that's the again agents of shield yeah uh which we will get to Uh uh-huh that's all about uh shield and right right and uh, like the almost the behind the scenes thing yeah you know and the stories are done really well on there and I do have to say, for ABC, they uh-huh. do go way out on a limb on some of them. But, oh, yeah. uh, hey, 
You know, still, they were very entertaining and good stories for regular TV. Yeah. You know, they did uh, some good quality work. Yeah. So, final impressions? No, I, that that's pretty much it. Like I said, I do appreciate the fact that they're not shying away from religion in these uh, TV series. And we get to talk more about that kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah, definitely makes me want to go watch the rest of this the series uh, again. But uh, let's... Uh, Let's not do that for the show, at least, and let's um, let's move on. Does that sound good? Uh, yes, and let's do something. What did you have in mind? That's something. We went something relatively new. Yeah, you want to go something a little bit older? Yeah, yeah. Let's. Um, so, uh, from the analytics of the channel, one of our highest listened to episodes was from. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the first movie, and so let's go from a another superhero movie from around that time, and let's let's talk about uh, the uh, 1989 Batman, the Michael Keaton Batman. Yes. Okay, I think that would be pretty wonderful. I almost remember the theme song to that, and I think that was like the same theme song as the animated series, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah, okay, yeah, I I think I will like that a lot, and uh, I'll be looking forward to it then. Very good. Okay. All right, well, thank you all for joining us for another episode of Pops Collection. If you had any feedback, go ahead and email us, popscollectionpodcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, leave us a note there, leave us a five-star review on iTunes, and uh, we will see you next week with Batman. Goodbye and God bless. Goodbye, God bless. And tell your friends. <laughs>